If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Welcome tonight. We are going to jump into Ephesians chapter 5. We finished chapter 4 last week. So we are in part 10 this week of the book of Ephesians. But I want to take notice of a couple of people here that are with us tonight. One, Pastor Kip McCarty, friend of our ministry and uh, attends here when he can. But uh, does a lot of traveling and preaching and uh, got a great anointing on his life. And he has spoken prophetically into my life and we've seen it literally come to pass. And I really appreciate your friendship and your ministry. Your blessing. And also we have a very good friend of our ministry all the way from Granbury, Texas, at Cornerstone Community Church, Pastor Brandon Mercer is here with us tonight. Won't you stand, Pastor Brandon, and wave everybody. And uh, Joshua, Josh or Joshua, what do you like? Don't matter. He's, he was here at the fire uh, academy, and he's learning how to fight big fires, not structure fires. He's going to be going up to Portland or Oregon area, right? Going to be fighting fires there, so I'll be praying for Josh. But Pastor Brandon um, is they're at Cornerstone Community Churches where Casey and Paris served for four years, five years, somewhere around there. And uh, he is uh, under the leadership of Pastor John. And uh, dad goes out there and preaches every now and then. And uh, so he's a friend of our ministry. And so we're glad. I didn't even know he was going to be here tonight. So it was really cool to see him walk in the building. I almost thought maybe we should just let Pastor Brandon preach tonight. And no? Okay. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe another Wednesday. Maybe drive all the way out here and do that. So, amen. Hallelujah. Everybody doing well? Good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, you know what? How many of you are uh, glad that you're not dead? (laughs) Glad you're not in jail, not in the hospital, not laid up sick in the bed? Well, we are barely grateful for that. Mm. Yeah, I like being healthy. I like being free. (laughs) All right, Ephesians chapter 5, let's go. Verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Father, I want to say thank you for this time and your presence. Thank you, Lord, for these next few minutes under the influence of your incredible word, your living, ever-powerful, unchanging word. Your word is unchanging, but your word changes lives. And Father, we thank you. We set ourselves in a position right now, our hearts yielded, our ears open, ready to receive what you have to say to us tonight because, God, we understand that we live on your word. We feed on your word. We feast on it. And we thank you that it is life to those who find it in health to all of their flesh. Thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ to be upon your people tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this verse is an extraordinary verse. Be imitators of God as dear children. I want to spend just a few minutes on this First verse right out of Ephesians chapter 5. Now, the previous verse, Ephesians 4.32, we finished up last week, says, uh, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. All right? So we understand then that, that we have been forgiven. Say, I have been forgiven. Right? And based on that position, based on that truth, we now have the 
power then, the grace, the ability to forgive others. All right? Because we've been forgiven. Matter of fact, I want you to take your Bible and go over to, I have no clue where it is, but we're going to find it. All right? Somebody help me. We need to find the place where Jesus, the woman came into Simon's house and washed Jesus' feet with her tears. She broke the alabaster box over. All right? Sword drill. Go. That, that scripture, that thought just came to me, and I, I think we need to look at it for just a moment. You know, Matthew 20, is there, I think, I think I need to go to the other version. Maybe there's one in John. Luke 7. Yeah, let's go over there for a moment. Forgive me, I, I, that, I, I, I wasn't ready for that scripture, but I, uh, let's go there. Luke 7. Sure. 737. It's a big airplane. 737. All right, then. Um, hang on one second. It's, yeah, 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 this is it. Okay, Luke 7. Now let's go over to, um, let's just start in 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner... When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, we've talked about just how incredibly awkward this must have been for everybody in the room, because, you know, back then, they didn't, they didn't eat like we do. They didn't eat sitting at a table like this, Right? Right? Remember, Jesus invented that, apparently, in the Passion of the Christ. Remember how he came up with that chair, and his mother's like, oh, that'll never work. You know, you remember that? Anyway, it was a great, great scene. But, but uh, <clears throat> they ate like this, all right? And they, just, they had a little spread out before them, and they would just chill out and eat like this. Isn't that cool? And that's like way relaxed eating. Mm, you know. um, so they're eating like this. And so this woman, the Bible says, comes in behind here and this Pharisees and this Pharisees got him at his house. We don't really know why, but the chances are he's going to try to catch Jesus in his words. That seems to be always the Pharisees' motives, right? They always want to trick him or you know uh, and and catch him in a in a lie or catch him. So we don't really know why, except they're all around his, him, his disciples, and this Pharisee. And this woman comes in off the street who is well known in the community among men. She walks in, and she kneels down at Jesus' feet, right? And she starts weeping over his feet. All right, just catch this. Now, how many of you, I mean, I, I, let's not all act religious and act like we understand the spirit of the moment. Yeah, we, we have the privilege of reading this hindsight, but they're living in this moment right now, right? This woman kneels down, and she starts, she breaks this perfume box over and starts, you know, pouring on his feet and crying and kissing his feet and that's odd. That's just odd, right? And so this whole thing's going on, all right? And, and Jesus is just letting it happen, man. Now, when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, I think he thought he saw opportunity. And he spoke to himself, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner, actually, let me get that religious one, this man, 
if he were a prophet, would know what, who and what manner of ma woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. <laughs> and Jesus, I like this, it says Jesus answered him. He didn't, say, he didn't say it out loud. He said he said it to himself, and Jesus answered him. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him $500 and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. He said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my, my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, notice that, are forgiven. For she, for she, for she loved much. Now that kind of throws me off a little bit. Because the story that Jesus told doesn't really match what he just said. He said the reason her sins are forgiven is because she loved much. Wait a second. I thought you don't love much until you've been forgiven. As a matter of fact, that's what he said. The guy who's, gonna, who's going to love more, the guy who was forgiven the $500 or the guy who was forgiven the 50 He said, I suppose the guy who's, who was forgiven more. He said, you've rightly said. You see this woman? She's forgiven because she loved much. Whoa. What are you saying, Jesus? Well, this is called faith. See, this woman, before she ever entered the house, already had it in her heart. Already had it in her heart because all the other men in her life had abused her. All the other men in her life had used her. All the other men in her life had nothing good to say to her. And if, and, and if ever she would try to live right, they would always hold the law over her head and tell her that she could never measure up. She's always going to be a prostitute, and that's all that she could ever be. That's the level, it's the highest level of life that she could live. And then the very same guy that would judge her would sleep with her. And then Jesus, but, but she apparently heard something about another man. Some news had gotten out. That this guy will accept you, this guy will love you, this guy will heal you, just like you are. And this love in her heart, this is so good. She loved much because she had already deemed that he would forgive her. Because you can't love much until you're forgiven much. According to that story, you don't love much until you're forgiven much. So apparently she had already received forgiveness before she ever even walked in the door. And so she just... Gave out lavish love, hallelujah, by faith, already accepting that powerful forgiveness for all of those many sins. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, hallelujah. Amen. Boy, that's wonderful. 
And so this teaches us, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, even as Christ, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us, so we forgive others. Now, there was a time under the, under the law, under the law that you forgave to get forgiveness. And even Jesus taught on that. But that is not the day of, that we live in today. Today we live in I was forgiven, not I hope to be forgiven if I forgive. No, I already was forgiven, therefore I do forgive. Everything changed with Jesus. And then it says, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. I I just sat on this verse for a while because this is a strong, powerful verse. Sometimes Paul, by unction of the Holy Spirit, would just say a phrase like this. You know, like one of my favorite things, I still ponder it when he says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. That's something you got to sit and chew on for a while to really get that. And we've talked about that. But he says, be imitators of God. And then he teaches us how to be imitators of God as dear children. So we already have have this, this strong commandment. To imitate God. How many of you know that that is, um, that's, that's, that's a big, that's a tall order. Let's just say it like that. Be imitators of God. Act like God. And then he says, this is how you do it. As dear children. As, I looked up that word dear to make sure that it wasn't just put in there by translators to fill in the gaps. It's actually there, and there's a Greek word that means beloved or loved. So you cannot act like God if you don't understand that you are a loved Amen. child. Yes, that's right. Because anything outside of love is not of God. That's right. But that perfect love is what casts out all fear. See, when you understand that you are a loved child of God then that gives you all the ability in the world to be like him. Because don't forget, over in 1 John chapter 4, when it talks about perfect love casts out all fear, in that very same chapter, right, bumped up right next to it is, as he is, so are we in this world. How? By the love of God. Because, because we're loved by God. So if you have his likeness, ladies and gentlemen, if you have the nature of God, then it's actually easier to act like him than it is not to act like him. See, being a Christian ought to come naturally to us. As a matter of fact, there's a scripture that says the way of the transgressor is the difficult way. Right? But now that we have a new nature, it's actually easier. I mean, I cannot help but gesture or, or make a facial expression or preach sometimes like John Holler. I don't try to do that. I just have his nature. I'm his child, so I look like him. I get told that all, you look just like your dad. Man, when you said that one, that sounded just like John Holler. You turn red just like your dad does. <laughs> Here all the time. I'm not trying to do it. I'm just being me, right? But I got him in me. So I look like him, and I act like him. And it would be difficult for me to try to train myself not to. Almost impossible. Unless I did that Michael Jackson thing, work this nose down a little bit, 
bleach my skin a little more. I'm just kidding. I don't know what to say right there. I'm just making up stuff. But, you know, but it's, it's just I just live, and so I look like him. Are you hearing me? This says, be imitators of God as dear children. That is, understand that you are part. Not only, not only are you loved, but you're part of the family of God. Yeah. This is who you are now. You are now a child of the living God. You have been born all over again. And if you've been born all over again, that means you got a whole new family. you got a whole new way of life, new instinct, yes. new likeness, new characteristics. Hallelujah. New personality. It all works looking like him. This is so good. So Paul's teaching. This is, this is not a tall order when you really look at it the way he's teaching us. What he's saying is be who you are and do what you do. Amen. Woo! You can imitate your heavenly father just because you were born into his family. Hallelujah. So you follow in your father's footsteps because that's what you were born to do. Yes. Laurel Elise, where is Laurel here tonight? Our middle child. She's in kids' chairs. Oh, yeah. Her kids are always. Serving somewhere, filling in the gap. Y'all know we have kids. We actually do. They're just usually somewhere else here <laughs> serving. Um, but Laurel, when she was a little bitty, she used to love to climb into my boots. And uh, she'd, she'd sit on the floor and she'd pull my boots up. And uh, she loved to get in those things. And then she would, you know, try to stand up. She'd grab a hold of the coffee table and stand up. And it's the cutest thing in the world to see her with just pull-ups on. And boots all the way up here, just swallow up her feet and her legs. And she'd stand there, and it was, just, it was just amazing. And then she'd try to walk. And she'd scoot a leg forward, you know, and then she'd fall forward. Then I'd pick her back up and watch her. She wanted to be like Daddy. She wanted to walk in Daddy's shoes, but she wasn't ready yet. Hmm. See, it's not an accident that this says walk or imitate God as dear children. That is, you don't act like you got it all together, like we do as adults. That you don't, you don't, you're not set in your ways how you're going to follow God. But you've got this childlike mentality that when you follow in his footsteps, you look like that little Laurel Elise and daddy's big old cowboy boots. And it keeps you in this place like I am completely dependent yes. upon your ability to help me here. Because in my own strength, I'm not strong enough. In my own ability, I'm not skilled enough. But hallelujah, I serve a God who gives me wisdom beyond my own understanding. Hallelujah. He gives me power beyond my own ability. I can flow in his grace. And even as a dear child, I can look like my heavenly father in the earth. I can do what he says I can do. And I can be who he says I can be. Hallelujah. Because he simply said it. And I believe it. Therefore, I can be just like him. Wonderful. Wonderful. Be imitators of God as dear children. Now, let's continue. Is this blessing you tonight? And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. Now, I want you to understand that we see something about love, that love has a corresponding action to it. See, it wasn't enough for God to just tell the world that he loved us, but God so loved that he 
took action. God so loved that he gave his only begotten son, right? There are times the Bible says that Jesus moved with compassion and healed. Moved with compassion, he fed the 5,000, right? It was that love, it was that compassion that moved him to action. And it says, and walk in love. So, so we imitate God. We have this position as loved children of God. Hallelujah. But then he teaches us that we walk in that love. Just, and then he gives us the example, as Christ did. Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, the Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, uh, but we beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies living sacrifice, uh, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then we know verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Right? But this, it's really cool because the verse 1 deals with the body and verse 2 deals with the mind. Right? And what it's telling us to do is what's happened in the spirit, you got to get your body in line with it and you got to get your mind right about it. Yeah. All right? So it says, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to who? To God. Right? This body no longer belongs to us and it's no longer under the power of darkness. We're not under the power of darkness, so we can, we can make this body do what it needs to do. Did you know that? Yeah, if you've been renewed on the inside, if you've been, uh, become a new creation in Christ, then you follow the spirit man. We live from the inside out. We, they tried it the other way with the law from the outside in, right? But it, the, the, as Romans 8, 3 says that the law was weak in the flesh, right? So God showed us that way, a better way through Christ. But Walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice. Well, what is our sacrifice? Well, Hebrews chapter 13 teaches us that we, uh, we bring a sacrifice of praise, right? That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name. That's, that's one way that we sacrifice. How many of you find that that's a massive sacrifice to say, thank you, Jesus? Hmm? No, nobody here does. Why don't we just try it? Everybody just offer up that sacrifice. Go ahead. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I find it's incredible how many scriptures that talk about us always giving thanks. Right? The Philippians says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. And Paul said, even when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, indeed, you give thanks well. Hallelujah. Even your tongues is giving thanks to God. This sacrifice of praise, giving thanks unto his name. Hallelujah. See, this keeps you in the right mindset. This keeps this body moving in the, you, you give your body the potential to do the right thing. Listen to me, if you'll keep saying thank you, God, because when you, when you thank him, then you recognize there's somebody you need to be thanking, that your life is not your own, that you are accountable to him. Amen. That ever you understand that every good thing in your life has come from your heavenly Father. Matter of fact, that's what the Bible teaches us. All every good, uh, do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Hallelujah. So every good thing in your life. So that's why every, you can never run out of things to thank God about. 
And even if you think you can, just say thank you. Because it took a breath to say that. Amen. To God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication, and, and uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for, for who? Saints. 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 I thought you had to meet a whole bunch of requirements to be a saint. Not according to this. It says that you are saints. As if you're children of God, then you are saints of God. Ooh, man. So that what he's saying is this fornication and covetousness and uncleanness, they don't fit you. You guys remember the movie... What was the name of that movie with Chris Farley and David Spade? When he puts on David Spade's jacket. Oh. Fat guy in a little coat. You remember that? <laughs> and he ends up ripping that little guy's jacket to pieces. Didn't fit him, right? Right? This stuff don't fit you. It's not fitting for you because you are clothed in righteousness. You wear a robe of righteousness as a saint, as a child of God. Now, you have to understand what Paul is dealing with here. And he has to touch on these things because in, Eph in, in Ephesus, this was where the goddess Diana was greatly praised and where the temple to her was erected and where they actually did sexual uh, rituals as worship to the goddess Diana because they figured that Diana could meet every need for man, spirit, soul, and body, and that if they could get the men to, to, to uh, uh, rent a temple prostitute, remember how I talked to you guys about how they would do that? The women would sit, they would come with their, you know, all of their stuff on and their gold and their hair braided up, and, and, and then they would come and sit in their dress, and they would pull that dress tight, and they would sit down on the on the floor, and the men would come by, and, and they would flip a coin over on who, whatever woman they wanted for that time, and they were required to go with that man, who, no matter how ugly and whatever he looked like, didn't matter. And, they were required, and then she would take that money, not for herself, and she would offer it up as an offering to the goddess Diana. It was a form of worship. And so they figured that by, by pleasing that man, they could also use that, they could uh, turn that fleshly uh, work, that sexual fornication, into worship. And, God, and Diana could, could receive all glory from flesh, spirit, and soul. Perverted. But they didn't think anything of this. They didn't think anything of this. Can you imagine coming to church? This is their church service. All right? Now, that encourages me as a pastor. Maybe it will you too, Brandon and, and uh, Kip, that, uh, you know, people got problems, but Wow. I mean, they weren't, we don't have prostitutes in the foyer. I mean, if we do, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not working. We want them here. We want them here. We want them here to experience God, but they're not out there working, all right? So these guys, these, this, so Paul's coming into this, listen to me, Paul's coming to this. We think that all, we think that all times are so bad today, Right? We're more perverted today than, no, no, we ain't even, we're not even close to the place uh, that Ephesus was. All right? 
They were making religions out of their perversion so that they could somehow justify it and make it okay. And so Paul comes into this scenario and says, whoa, 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 hey, saints, saints don't act like this. you got to understand what Jesus did for you, and this is not what you do. This is not how we act. Now, this is a, these are revolutionary teachings that they're receiving at this moment. These guys' eyes are opening up to a new and living way. And the apostles come there to teach them what God requires and what he, how he sees them. And look at this. As is fitting for saying, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jest. So not only is he talking about their actions, but he's also talking about the way they speak. This word for foolish, uh, uh, foolish talking is where we get the word moron. Moronic talking. All right? Talking like a bunch of morons. No coarse jesting. In our day and age, I guess we'd call that dirty jokes. Which are not, again, which are not fitting. So saints and children of God, they don't act a certain way and they don't talk a certain way. All right? Now, that alone, those two things can be a major, major witness. As a matter of fact, that is how. <laughs> That's really the only way we can show how we witness by what we say and what we do. Right? right? So he's dealing with their actions and their speech. Remember what he taught over before this? He said, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every man, right? Now, look at this. Now, Paul makes a big distinction. I've got to keep moving. Paul makes a big distinction. He says, for this you know, here we go, that no fornicator, now, a fornication is just simply sex outside of marriage between a husband and a wife. Anything outside of that is, is perverse. Anything. All right? Anything outside of that is wrong. All right? It's sin. Here we go. For, no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is and what? Idolater. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Verse 8, for you were once darkness. Now, what Paul is not, Paul is not telling these people, you, if you fornicate, you're a fornicator. That is not what he says. As a matter of fact, he's telling them that's not who you are. All right? So don't be partakers with the fornicators and with the guys that are covetous and with the unclean. Don't partake because those guys are not receiving an inheritance from God. Those guys are going to everlasting destruction. So that's not, you don't partake with those people. They're idolaters. You worship the one true God. So you live your life a different way. You don't have a right to any of that stuff because those guys aren't receiving the kingdom of God. But you are. Now, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'll, I'm almost done here for tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You were once, once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me just say this. Do you remember in the very beginning of Ephesians where he talks about how we are seated in heavenly places with Christ and that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ? So, I mean, he really, in the very beginning of this, this book, Paul opens up and shows us this dynamic reality that we live in as Christians. Amen. And how our position in Christ is. But now he gets here, he gets into the practice of it. All right, so your position in heaven 
should affect your practice on earth. Okay? Now, First Corinthians and chapter 3, <clears throat> excuse me, verse, uh, verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. 1 Corinthians 3.10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's Say it loud. Work. Say it like, say it real loud. Work will become clear. All right? For the day, that is the day of reckoning, the day of judgment, the very end, when we all stand before God and give account of, of our lives, for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures... He will receive a reward. Thank God. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Or if you look at it in the, in the Greek language, it's like a guy has escaped a house fire. He's lost everything but gotten out with his life. All right? Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So listen to this. So Paul shows us here, as the saints of God, as the children of God, that God does not judge whether we are justified once we have already been justified. He's not judging our relationship with him based solely on Jesus Christ and our faith in him. But now, as the children of God, we are now judged by our works, whether they are good works or whether they are bad works. And the good works are going to give us a reward, and the bad works are going to singe your hairs. But it says that he himself will be saved. So that's why I'm, I'm trying to show you this in context with Ephesians chapter 5 here. So you don't get confused and say, well, if I sin, then I guess I'm, 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 I don't have any part of the kingdom of God. That is not the truth. So what happens is that's called a dead work, and you'll be judged for your dead works. You'll be judged for your works, whether they be good or whether they be bad, all right? So don't, don't fall in and out of your relationship with God, all right? Understand that God's grace is greater than your sin, all right? And Jesus saved you. See, there's something to having assurance, isn't there? When I was a kid, the church I was raised in, we were never assured of our salvation. We didn't know if we were going to make it. I mean, we were in dirt. We were trying to hold out to the end, man. I mean, I am determined to hold out to the end, right? What are you doing? Well, I'm just holding out to the end, brother. I'm just persevering, all right? It was always just holding on, <laughs> hoping to God I make it in the end, right? What a sad existence as a Christian. Right. What a sad way to live. What a, what a guilty, condemning way to live your life. When in Christ there is, therefore, now no condemnation. To those are who are in Christ Jesus. Now listen to me. 
So, <sighs> Islam is, they have no assurance, no assur- zero assurance of an eternity, a, a good eternity. None. None. All they can do is hope that as many times as they kneel on that rug and face the east and do what they do, they hope somehow they get Allah's attention and that hopefully, hopefully he'll see all the things that they've done and maybe it'll work out in the end. That's as good as it gets. There is one way that they are assured. One way that they are assured that they will have heaven after this life. And that is if they partake in what's called jihad, a holy war. Now, let's just take this for just a moment. If they can be assured of heaven by getting in an airplane and taking out some infidels in New York City, according to them, because that is the sure way to get to heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, if they're deceived which they are. Can we kind of have just, I'm not saying I accept it. Please understand. I think that day was an absolute tragic day and it makes me mad to even think about it and sad. But can we have just a tad bit of understanding for somebody who's just looking for some assurance on the other side? Just a tad bit of understanding because they have no hope other than that. But if they kill some Westerners, then they're assured of heaven. Now, how sad, how sad that that kind of Islamic thinking has crept into the church to make the people of God think they have no assurance, to try to hang works over their head and act like it's by the, well, you get in by grace, yeah, but boy, you better toe the line what you're in. And hold it over their heads. Better get it right. Right? I was talking to a guy on the phone one day. A man who's in a, been in ministry for 30-something years. And he told me, Pastor Eric, you know what I do every night? Just in case. I ask the Lord to forgive me of everything I've done every night just to make sure. Just to make sure what? You're making sure? You're trying to make sure? Then, buddy, I don't know about you. I don't know. I got questions. If you can't fully rest on Jesus, I'm not too sure about you. Mm. Just make sure. If I pray this prayer every night, you hear that? That's Islam all that is. Ain't Christianity. Christianity has much assurance. See, when you're assured, when you're assured of who you are in him, when you are assured of who he is in you, sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under law. You're under grace. God help the preachers. God help the preachers to trust God and trust the Holy Spirit to guide his people and not feel like he has to have the hammer in his hand. 
but to trust the living God. And trust that the same power that's in him is in them. The same power that's in Jesus is in us. Oh, man. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, and one more thought there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to say this again. Uh, in Matthew chapter 7, turn over there. and we'll, I said I was going to finish a little while ago, didn't I? Can you all take a few more minutes? It's only 810. Man, when I was a kid, we were just getting warmed up in church. Right? We were just, this is about the time the pastor said, and that was just the introduction. Now let's really get it. I'm like, really? Don't say that, pastor. That's not very encouraging. I know you're excited about that, but we're all freaking out right now. All right. Matthew chapter 7. All right. Now, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. What's the will of the Father? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Now, hang on just a second. Hang on. Isn't, 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 doesn't the scripture teach us that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved? And have we not seen in scripture, remember the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? You know, they drug her out and they caught her in the act and drug her out in the streets and put her before Jesus, right? And Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, I have none, Lord. And when she called Jesus Lord, he said, neither do I condemn you. The moment she grabbed a hold of that truth, that Jesus is Lord, all of her sins were forgiven. The thief on the cross, at one point he said, I deserve to be here. And in, in his dying breaths, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, boy, you said the right word. Today, you're going to be with me. Right? This man just said, Lord. And Jesus right here says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. So let's not, let's not think that Jesus is downplaying the word Lord here. All right? Because it's us who confess him as Lord and believe in our heart that we are saved. So there are many, though, that will say, Lord, Lord. And he said they're saying that, but look what, look what follows it. Oh, Lord, Lord. Lord is, Lord is saying that you are ruler supreme. You are master of all, right? Lord, Lord, watch. Have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a second. I thought Jesus was Lord. Lord, Lord, didn't I do this? And didn't I do that? And didn't I do this? And didn't I do that? But you are Lord of all. And Jesus looks at them and says, what? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. That shuck and jive ain't working with me. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, hang on a second. They said that they cast out devils. They said they prophesied. They said they did this. Yeah, they said that. And even if they attempted it, they were expecting to 
to do it to get righteous merits. So that's the same as sin to God. That's lawlessness. Yikes. You know, we, are, we have to understand that it really is about us fully leaning on him. Because I don't know about you, but when I stand up there before him, I'm going to say, Lord, I'm here because you brought me here. Because grace came to me. I was so undeserving and I was lost. Matter of fact, I wasn't even looking for you. But you came and looked for me to seek and to save that which is lost. I'm standing here on the merits of your blood, not by my own works of righteousness, because I could never measure up to you. Because I couldn't, I could never be like you. You became like me. And because you did that, now I can be like you. Hmm? See, it all is on him. That's the difference between those people who say Lord and those who really, really believe that he's Lord. Does this help you? And don't forget, Jesus said, I never knew you. So he ain't even talking to backsliders here. Because he has to say, he has to say, because he is the truth. He has to say, well, I once knew you, but then you, you turned away and I don't know you anymore. But here he says, I never knew you. That means you never got on the same page as I was. You never entered the kingdom of God right. You never entered as a child. You never believed. You only believed in your ability. So therefore, I never knew you. Whew. All right? So I'm here tonight to help you to be who you are. The only way that you can imitate God as a dear child is to fully accept that God loves you and believe that he loves you and receive that love for you so that you can truly be empowered to live like him in the earth. So that you can actually go cast out devils. You can actually go prophesy. You can actually go do great things in his name. And those works can mean something because they're in his power. They're in his strength. They're in his might. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for this time in the incredible presence of God where the people of God are gathered here. You are here. You said where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And we are here tonight in the name of Jesus. And we're here tonight thanking you, God, for your great grace. Thanking you, God, that you took us who were marred, who were broken, who were lost, who were aimless, who were enemies, who were dead in our sins, and you made us all together something new. You healed us, delivered us, saved us. And now we stand here Righteous by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, help us to be who we are and to do what we do now. To be who we are, the people of God, and do what we do. That is the works of our Father, even as Jesus did. We thank you, Lord, for the assurance that we have of heaven. We thank you that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And all of us have this mandate by God as the children of God to bring this incredible word of reconciliation wherever we go. That Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. And whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. Tonight, if you're here 
Every head bowed for just a moment and every eye closed. If you're here and say, Pastor Eric, I do not have a right relationship with God. I know that right now. As I'm sitting here, I am far from God. I'm away from him, and I want to get that right. I need prayer. I want to be close to God. I want things to be right between me and him. I want this assurance of heaven. I want to know. I want to know. I don't want to doubt. I don't want to wonder. I don't want to be uncertain another day. And I don't want to walk in my life one more day without peace. I want to know him. Are you here? Just lift your hand. I want to pray for you. Just right where you're sitting. Anybody here? Anybody here? Tonight, maybe you're here and you just need to repent. You need to make some things right. Just by repenting, just saying, you know, tonight, Pastor Eric, I'm changing the way I think. I've, I've really been struggling in my relationship with God. I've been very insecure in my relationship with him. And I've allowed that to keep me in guilt, and I've allowed that to keep me down, and it's made me ineffective as a Christian. It's made me ineffective. As a matter of fact, I find myself continuing to do the things I don't want to do. But tonight, I want that power broken off of my life. Are you here just, just raise your hand. Where are you? Oh, thank you. Anybody else here? Just say, that's me. Pray for me. I need the grace of God. Yep, thank you. Anybody else here? Father, I thank you right now for these who have raised their hands tonight. Lord, this is a step of faith. This is a landmark moment for their lives. Tonight is a change. Hallelujah. When they leave here tonight, they will leave changed. Changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Changed by the incredible and incredible encounter with the grace of God. Hallelujah. Right now, I declare that no condemnation is upon them. Hallelujah. I declare right now the grace of God. To, to be in them, Lord, to be abundant to them because they are, that's what empowers them, Lord, to live the kind of life that you've called us to live. Sin will not have dominion over them because they're under grace. And Father, I thank you right now for just the assurance. I thank you, God, for filling them with wisdom and understanding. God, guide them. I thank you that your spirit guides them into all truth. Your anointing teaches them all things. And I thank you for the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God at work in their lives even now. Even now. Hallelujah. Say this with me. Father God, I choose your way. I repent. I change my mind right now. I choose to believe what you say. You call me righteous. I am righteous. You call me free from sin. I am free from sin. I am delivered. I am strong because Jesus makes me strong. Even in my weakness, he makes me strong. And though I have sinned, his grace is greater than my sin. And it swallows it up. Therefore, I am right now free, clean, right with my heavenly Father. And from this day forward, I will walk by faith in his grace. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.